Welcome to the Mountain Park Church Podcast. We're excited to share this week's message with you. Our mission is to allow God to work in and through us, and we'd love to hear your story of how God has been working in or through you. Email us at mystory@mp.church and tell us how God has been working in and through you. Well, I'm excited to be preaching to you today. Um, I've, uh, I was trying to figure out exactly what, what I was going to speak on. Um, and then I, I really felt like the Lord just kind of give me the, the cheesiest title for a Father's Day message that could ever be. Um, just a D-A-D. Just dad. That's it. And so if you're taking notes, all you need to write down is D. A, D, and I'm, I'm going to fill them in, and that's going to be so simple and so good. So I thought, since we're going in the cheesy kind of dad thing, I figured I'd just start off with some solid, cheesy dad jokes, you know, in honor of all the dads out there. How many of your dads are really bad? Like they just, I mean, really good, but really bad at dad jokes. Like they just, they're on point with dad jokes, but I saw that, Carla. You totally poking Tyson. Mark, you got good dad jokes? No, he doesn't. He, is that good or bad? Okay, here's the first one. Ready? Why did the coffee file a, piece, a police report? Because he got mugged. <laughs> Woo! Okay, band, you cannot say this one because I told you it earlier. Who is the roundest member of Arthur's Round Table? Anyone? Circumference. Ah! So dad walk, he dad comes home after getting a haircut and his daughter says, um, dad, did you get a haircut? He said, nope, I got them all cut. I love this one. This one's so good. I could totally see all my, uh, my friends' dads doing this to them. Walk in and be like, Dad, okay, you're just like the king of cheesy jokes, so I just need you to like, my friends are here, I just want you to hit us with the best, your most cheesy, worst, but also best dad joke. So he thinks about it, looks back at his son, says, you. Oh! Oh! Okay, final one. Did you hear, son? What, dad? Did you hear that the shovel is now a groundbreaking invention? Oh, <laughs> terrible, terrible. So bad. <laughs> they're just so good, but they're so painful, but so good. Oh, so good. I remember at some point I had jokes I started making jokes and my wife was like, okay, you're ready to be a dad now. And I was like, oh, that's bad news. <laughs> this is before I had kids. Um, but, but to be real, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to just read a quote from Billy Graham that says this. A good father is one of the most unsung, unpraised, unnoticed, and yet one of the most valuable assets in our society. All jokes aside, including bad dad jokes, um, I just wanted to say that I value fathers and I value all the fathers that are represented here. 
Thank you for being invested. Thank you for loving your kids. Thank you for fighting for them. Thank you for working hard to provide for them. Just so you know, you are valued and you are important in the kingdom of God. And we see you and the kingdom of God needs you. This church needs you. Don't ever think that you're less than. That's a lie from the enemy. Dads are key in the kingdom of God. Yeah, give it up for the dads, including me. Yes. <laughs> there's, a, there's a good one, right? That's a solid dad joke. Um, we're going to look at the... So I was thinking about, you know, what is, what is the... Where do I go with Father's Day, talking about the Father, um, you know, our Heavenly Father... I, I was trying to unpack, like, where do I go with this? And so the Lord literally led me to um, probably the most epic of dad stories, the prodigal son, right? Like the prodigal son, that dad is like, he's on point. He's pretty amazing. And then I thought, what are other really great dad stories, like movies that are epic, just epic dad movies? So here are my top five, okay? And I may or may not have watched these, so if you are... Um, more of a judgmental person? I haven't. Um, just haven't. I read a thing. Um, it was Google. Um, okay, so first, the first one is this Lion King, right? So good. Mustafa is so loving. He saves his son from, did I say the name wrong? Mufasa, yeah. I watched the movie, I promise. Um, and, and he's so... He's so good, right? Like, you want to be that dad. Well, you don't want to be that dad because you die. But you want to be that dad that saves your kid from the most terrible situations. So that's a good one. And then Finding Nemo. I hadn't thought of it. And then I was looking through and I was like, yes, the clownfish. Not quite as cool as being, a, you know, a lion. But the clownfish, like, he does amazing things. He actually, and this is what I, I hope for as a father, that I would step outside of my own fears and help my kid be a better version of themselves and a better version of myself and, and push them into what God has for them. And that's, and, and that's what, you know, Nemo's dad did. What's Nemo's dad's name? What? Merlin. Thanks all dads. Dads know. Um, then, I don't know if you guys have ever seen this movie. Um, I'm going to date myself, but my dad used to take us to movies every weekend. And so we watched a movie called John Q when I was, uh, I don't even know, it probably came out in like 94 or 95 or something like that. Um, Denzel Washington tell, plays this father. His son gets this um, really bad disease and it, he has to sell everything. And then he takes the hospital hostage. Nah, don't do that part. But, um, but it is an epic father story that he is like, I'm willing to give up everything I have and fight for my kid. I love him so much that I'll take this hospital hostage. Um, and then at the end, he actually gives up his own life so that his kid can survive. I mean, that's just, I, I remember I, I must have been somewhere in 10, 12 years old. And I'm like, I'm like weeping, <laughs> like heaving, you know, snot running down your face, like the ugly kind of like, you know, God moving, crying. And then it's, it's the, second one, the second top is It's a Wonderful Life. You know, it's a really sad one, but he walks through this crazy situation. Then at the end of it, he finally realizes, I want all these things for my life. I want more. I want a better house. I want a better job. I want to travel the world. I want to be all these things. But at the end of it, 
he realizes, what do I need more than my family? They're everything to me. What a great, John Bailey, no, George. Yeah, I'm really killing it with names. I told you to sell these movies. And then number one is Taken. That, that, that dad, I'm not endorsing any of these films, Finding Nemo. Um, that dad is, is a bad man. He's a, I'm not, I would love to be able to make that phone call. Actually, I would love to be able to say that speech when, some, when somebody comes to date Ellie. Like, you know, like, I just need you to know. I have a, set, a, a special set of skills. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> like, it'd be so good. I would love it. Oh. He'd probably laugh at me. But I'd be like, I pray a lot. Just so you know. Me and God, super close. So when you think I'm not watching, he is. Yeah, yeah. All right, turn with me. Let's read the Bible, people. Come on. All right, turn with me to Luke 15. Verse 11. Yes, you should have brought your Bible, Stephen. All right, verse 11. Jesus is saying this. It says, to illustrate the point further. I hear some pages turning, so I'll just slow down. Jesus. One more. Keep going. Got it? Okay. Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your, in your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About that time, his money ran out, or about this, the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and, he, and the man sent him into the fields to feed pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs, he was feeding the pigs, looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to him, himself, at home even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, you can see this, right? Like this is totally a son thing to do. Like you realize that you just, you totally made a mistake and then you start writing your apology speech. And he says, Father, I have sinned both against both heaven and you. And I know I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, Quick, kill him. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just checking. I was just checking if you were paying attention. 
bring the finest robe <laughs> in the house and put, on, put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fatten, fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. So important, important right here. I just want to, I want to say before we go into the dad, the acronym, which I totally hate acronyms, but I was, I was going to do father, but I thought, wow, we probably want to get home before one o'clock. So uh, I did DAD. You're welcome. And, um, and so here are four things to lay the base work of the prodigal son. Um, first thing is this. When Jesus tells stories, it, they're not just stories the way we understand movies. They're, they're actually called parables. And the best way to understand a parable is this. It's a little story with a big meaning. It's the best way to understand it. So a little story with a big meaning. Jesus doesn't always come out with saying, here's what you need to know. He tells the story and allows the Spirit of God and allows them to understand it if they desire to. So that's the first thing. Second thing is this. The people he is speaking to in this story are religious leaders. I want you quickly to look at the top, at the very beginning, verse 1 of chapter 15. It says, tax collectors and other notorious sinners. <gasps> Imagine that, notorious sinners. That's a big deal. Often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law. Now, you, now you need to understand that the Pharisees and the teachers of the re religious law are not just, they're two camps. There's a lot of them. They have different, just like today in religion, they have different ways of thinking about the law and understanding it. So Pharisees think one way, and then there's a number of others. The biggest is Pharisees, but there are others that are part of the religious group called teachers. They're known as rabbis. They teach people. And they are absolutely mortified that Jesus would teach notorious sinners and tax collectors truth. Which is like totally crazy for us. We're like, whoa, why wouldn't you want to teach? But they, they understood teaching is a big deal. And you actually teach those who are your followers. And the point of followers are they're, they're actually supposed to be a, a replica of you. So you know, the, you know who the followers are because they replicate the rabbi and like. And so you'd be like, oh, that's, that's the follower of this rabbi. That's the follower of this rabbi because they act in a certain way. Well, how offensive. Are these the replication of who Jesus is? <gasps> so you can see why the religious leaders have such a big deal. And then I, my, my personal favorite is this. Is at the end it says this. They complained that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. Oh, gasp. No, but, but like Jewish culture, this is a big deal. Teaching people, associating with people, and actually eating together. Eating together was a sign of association and friendship and closeness. You ate with people you were close with. Well, if you're close with tax collectors... Maybe you are a little bit of a cheat. And if you are hanging out with known and notorious sinners, maybe you are notorious yourself. So this is a big deal to the religious. 
And so Jesus, he actually needs to correct this kind of gossip and this kind of critique because it's actually messed up the religion that Jesus was trying to help them with, Judaism. And so what he's doing is he comes down and he goes, okay, I'm going to tell you three parables. And the point of the three back-to-back is to just say, hey, pay attention, I'm going to tell you three times. Any parents ever do that? Any fathers? I'm going to tell you three times what you need to do. Pick up your sock. Your underwear? Your other sock. Pick it up. What's the, what's the lesson in this parable? Small story, right? Like, and so this is what he does. So the first story he tells is this. He says, oh, there was a shepherd. Oh, and he, he had a hundred sheep. And I need you to know that this shepherd is God. And oh, he loves his sheep so much that one wanders off and his, the shepherd, he actually goes after the lost sheep and he finds it. And he actually celebrates way more over the lost sheep than he does the, the sheep that are 99 that, are, that see themselves as righteous. He says, okay, 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 let me, let me explain this to you again. Oh, there's a woman, she has 10 silver coins, very valuable. She loses one. Oh, the kingdom of God is like this and God is, God is like that. When, when, he lo- when this woman loses this coin, what does she do? She throws her house into upheaval to find the one. And when she finds the one, oh, she celebrates. But let me illustrate this a little bit more and bring it, bring it even more to home. Let me tell you the parable of the lost son. So he's just explaining to them that it is really important what I'm going to teach you. And so this is two groundbreaking things. So I've given you two things that are really important about the parable of the, of the lost son. And then the last two are groundbreaking principles that he is teaching them in this, that he is shattering their understanding of who God is. He says this, God loves the lost more than the righteous. Let it sink in. God loves the lost more than he loves the righteous. And it it is meant to be incredibly offensive to the hearer. Because the point of it is this. You think you can be righteous in your own actions. You cannot. We are all lost. Then the, the fourth thing that he is trying to teach is this. I need you to understand... The other two were telling you that God loves lost, the lost, and we're all lost, so he loves us all. But here's the last one. I need you to know that God is Father. In this story, he's actually explaining. God is Father, and you are his son. Let's, let's begin with the ground base of this. God loves the lost, which we are one of. And why does he love them? Because they are his children. Because we are his children. So with that understanding, let's go ahead and start our dad. D. Let's start with a D. It's important to understand that Jesus came to earth. Why did Jesus come to earth? Have we ever asked that question and just tried to say, let's, the primary reason why Jesus came to, to earth, right? To die for our sins. No, Jesus actually tells us he came to earth to reveal the Father. 
to reveal the Father. John 14, 6, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 12, 45, for when you see me, you see the one who sent me. And he's speaking of the Father. So the first one is this, is delight. The D stands for delight. I know this is not like a manly father word. Like delight is more like, you know, I have three daughters. That, that works for them. Delight, they're like, woo, I don't even know what that means, but we're gonna get so excited. You know, when I was in grade 12, we had a skip day. Um, and we went to Center Island. Um, by the way, I went to school with Steph Curry, just in case you were wondering. <laughs> Uh, you can ask me later. <laughs> Pretty cool. <laughs> Just kidding. Anyways, um, and so we had a skip day, and here's what we did on our skip day. We went to Toronto Island, and I stayed over at my friend's so I didn't have to worry about curfew at all, but I forgot that his curfew was worse than mine. He lived in a household. How many of you guys can actually take this vote? If, if you're still in the house, don't vote. Um, but how many of you grew up in a house where your parents would say something like this, your curfew's 11 because nothing good happens after 11. <laughs> Literally, that's, that was his house. And so, and so that's what, we, I forgot that his curfew was 11 and we stayed out till, I don't know, somewhere around two or three because it was our final kind of school hangout, fun event. Um, and so we get home two or three and we're like, okay, Let's just go into the house. And you know, it was like a super cool house, but they had old school rickety floors, right? So you're like, you're like, what are we doing? And then, and you know, like the, whole, the guy who owns it knows where to step and you're just doing the opposite. You're like, nee, nee, nee. it's like, Shh. and so we get to the kitchen, you know, obviously we're teenage boys, so we're hungry at two. And so we, we make whatever is in there, everything. And, and I remember, so we're finished in there, or we're, it's, actually, it's actually warming up or whatever we're doing, because honestly, let's be honest, it was probably something in the microwave. Um, and so, it's like a pizza pocket or something. Um, and so we're there, and I remember, we're walking almost tandem, he's a little bit in front of me, on, on my right side actually, and, and he, we walk outside of the kitchen door, and then his dad is turning off of the stairs. And his, his dad seriously super scared me. I, I didn't grow up with a father in the house, so, so like dads were somewhat intimidating to me, but he was like super intimidating. Like he said, I think six words to me in my, my whole friendship with my friend. And so, so I see him and we just do this. And I'm not kidding, my friend was probably, you know, um, I don't know, 240 and about my same height. And so I'm not lying, I did this. Right? Like, I'm like. And then, luckily, he didn't do anything. I thought he was going to blast us, but he was like, Oh, good, you're home. Don't wake up your mother. Oh, easy rule. I'm like. Um, and so, but isn't that how we treat God sometimes? You know, we, we treat God like that. When we think of him as our father, or we think of him as judge, or we think of him as almighty, we think of him as in this moment of us breaking the rules, and then 
he's here. Uh-oh. You know, if I go to church, is the pastor going to be like, you, I know your sin. Stand up. I want to tell everyone. <laughs> right? Like, let's, we're joking, but we're kind of serious too, right? See, I want us to understand who God is. And the first D is this. God delights in you. So write this phrase down. The father delights in his son. Look at verse 20 with me. It says this in verse 20. So he returned home to his father. You can see that sad walk, right? Like, oh, and just practicing his apology speech. Like, this is going to be so bad. While he was still long way, a long way off, his father saw him. First thing is this. He, he actively was looking for his son. Because let's be honest, right, dads? When we get, like, on a task, somebody can be, like, screaming at us. Your wife is like, I said, like, four times. You didn't hear me. I'm, like, doing something. It's definitely not building anything because that's not me. But if I'm doing something... Like, Jess can be like right here, my wife, and she'd be like, hey, and I'll be like, oh, why don't you talk to me before you do that? She's like, I've been talking to you for like the last 30 seconds. I'm like, oh, sorry, <laughs> what? Right, but that's not this father. This father is obviously actively looking because when he is far off, he sees him. And what's so cool is when he's far off, he knows his son. He's not like, oh, the mailman. Cool. Wonder what I got today. No, no, no. He's like, oh, my son. I know it's my son. He walks like this. He's, oh, yeah. How cool is that? His father is actively looking for him as he actively knows. See, because he delights in him. Let's keep going. It says, filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son. Now, for us, this is not a big deal. We're like, cool, he ran to his son. That's nice of him. Now, if it's me and somebody's apologizing to me, I'm going to stand on the porch like this. Oh, yeah, I have a mile driveway. Come on. <laughs> and then when you get here, I'm going to stand looking down at you, son, and you can tell me what you did wrong. Anyone else? No? Okay, anyways. But the, son, the father runs to his son. Now, this is a significant moment for men in, this, in the Jewish culture. One, because they would wear robes, and so they would have to expose their legs, which they didn't do. It was almost a sign of like disgrace or poverty, and they would tie it into their tunic, and he would run. So there was, men did not run in this culture. Boys, women, they could run. Definitely not wealthy men. Wealthy men were not going to put themselves in a position of running. If something needed running, they would have a servant or their child run after it. And in this, he actually is so delighted that his son is home. You hear his words, right? My son who was lost is now found. I'm not waiting for him to come down my driveway. I'm going to hike up my skirt and run after him. And then we see this. It says, he embraced him and kissed him. Now, it's interesting when the, when the scholars kind of explain this in, in the, the, the ancient kind of Jewish culture, to show those kind of public 
displays of affection to your kids was more of a mother's way of expressing, not father's. So this, this father cannot even keep you know, the appropriate relation. He's just so delighted in his son that he's home, that he has to kiss and embrace his son with his legs showing off. This is the picture that Jesus wants to us, us to see. God delights in you. Think about it. How would it change the way you live your life if you actually believe that the God of heaven who created everything that we read about, who is the one who is holding all things together, looks at you and delights in you? Because if we're honest, we think the opposite, that he's somewhat judgmental and angry and he's holding us. He's just waiting. That moment that you step out of line, he's going to hoof you in the back of the head. So how do we know this? I'm going to just rhyme off a couple reasons. Zephaniah 3.17, it says this. For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. I know we're reading the Bible, and I know sometimes... If you're like me, you can just kind of scan over it and be like, that's so good. What are we having for lunch again? But let's take a moment. If I could just ask you to close your eyes. Holy Spirit, reveal to us truth in your word. You inspired it. Open our hearts to understand it, to the scope that you wrote it. For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful singing. Man, is there anything as cool as even if you don't know the father and the children, is there anything as cool as watching a dad enjoying play or hanging out with kids? Like they walk in with, with their, their son or daughter and you can just see that they are happy to be there. I mean, there's nothing quite as beautiful as that as to say, man, this father is delighting in their son or daughter and just the time they have together. It might just be a split second, but man, there is beauty in that. And I wonder if we could capture what that is and we could see it as what God looks at us as. I think it would change the way we live our lives. God tells us that he loves us. In Psalms, 103, 13, he says this, the, the Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. Hmm. You know what's the coolest? You may be like, man, that's just, that's just a story. Like you're diving into that parable maybe a little bit too much. It's cool that 
Jesus was telling it. He was trying to teach the Pharisees a lesson. But what exactly are you trying to teach us? I would say this. I believe that God delights in you, that the Father delights in you. How do I know this? Look at Jesus. The example of Jesus is that he absolutely delights in you. Jesus came to earth to express that you are worth him dying so that you can be made right with your father. In Romans 5, 8, it says this, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Here's the coolest part of this story. The moment that you're trying to hide from everyone. We all have these moments. Our biggest moments of shame, our biggest moments of, of absolute failure. Jesus sees us in those moments and says, in that moment, that's when I died for you. Because that's what you needed. So great. God delights in you. A, God affirms you. Quickly, it says this in verse uh, 22. It says, give him the best robe, put on a ring and give him sandals. What do those mean? Here's what it means. A robe, who, who has the best robe? The father has the best robe. I want him to have my robe. Why? Because I want people to identify this is my son. I don't care what he did. I want you to know he's my son and I value him. Next, I put on a ring. The ring is the sign of authority. When he carried the ring, he could walk anywhere in that community and pay for anything he wanted because he had the ring of the father and the charge would go to the father. He's saying, listen, everyone, you may think that he's an utter failure and you would disown him, but I am not. He is my son and he has my authority. Then he says, here, put on sandals, a sign of wealth and privilege. He said, look, you're not just coming back here. You may, have a, you may have a plan for your own redemption. I don't care about that plan. Here's my plan for your redemption. I put wealth on you, privilege on you. You are my son. You are mine, and I love you. This is what God does for us through Jesus. God affirms you as his child. Write that down. God affirms you as his child. How does he do that? Through adoption. You know what's crazy about this gospel? Here's what's crazy about the gospel. We sinned, we were far from God. So God's over here, we have a chasm in between us. We can't solve it because we are in the wrong. Jesus comes and dies on the cross. We stand before God, Jesus says, hey, I'm going to take all of that weight of sin and shame and all that should cause him to be cut off from God, I'm going to take it on myself. And when you look at him, you will see Jesus. So we are now legally in right standing with each other. So I can be in right standing with God. That's an amazing gospel right there. But that's not just the end of the gospel. It actually says that not only were you not right with God, you were actually dead in your sins. You didn't realize it, but you were dead. Jesus comes in and says, hey, I need you to be alive. I'm going to bring you from death to life. That's an amazing gospel. Those, both of those are amazing gospels, but Jesus says, that's not where I finished. He says, I have another plan. 
Not only do I want to make you right with the Father, not only do I want to make you alive instead of dead, I actually need you to know that my perfect plan for your life is to adopt you into my family. And all the religious people said, what? No, 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 no. You cannot disrespect God by making yourself his child. Jesus said, you guys don't get it. You don't get it. Do you know in the Old Testament, God is called Father 15 times. And it's mostly like the verse I said. He is like a father or father of Israel. Do you know in the New Testament, Jesus brings in this new term and says, Father, Abba. And it's used 165 times. It is the primary term that Jesus uses when he's speaking of God. When he speaks to God. When he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, in the time of his biggest need, he falls to his knees and he says, Abba, is there any way that you can take this from me? Oh, the intimate term that is there. That we translate daddy or dad. It, the important thing is that that is actually an important term. It's not a Hebrew term. It's not a Greek term. It's actually an Aramaic term that would be the common language of the family. Jesus is saying, hey, I need you to understand something. This isn't just another term we use for God. He is actually your father. So my, my, my children... Are, I have three girls, you can pray for me. Um, I, they love it, my two older ones love it now because they've picked up what my real name is and so they're like, Alex. <laughs> or they're like, hey babe. They think that one's funny. But they think it's funny, they're like, Alex. And I say to them this, I say, hey baby. I know it's funny that you call me Alex and that's okay. But I need you to know something. Everyone else in this entire world gets to call me by that name. There are three people on this entire earth that know me as their daddy. That term is special. Whoa, this is what Jesus does. He says, hey, I need you to know. I need you to know this is not just a God. And we say, hey, there's God. And he's just, oh, God. No, no, no. Jesus comes to earth to reveal the Father so that you can say, hey, other people may say, God. But I need you to know that you can call me Abby, Abba, and you can call me Dad. He delights over you. He affirms you through adoption. And final, he has destiny for you. This is so great. Verse 20 through 23, I won't read it just to save some time, but it says this, that, I went backwards. Notes, who uses notes anymore? Where am I? Oh, there we go. I love it. The son comes back and he has a redemption plan. He is ready to say what he needs to do to be redeemed. Some scholars believe this, that actually in the Jewish culture, there was a way to win back your forgiveness in the community by working with your hands and showing that you are a valuable part of the, this Jewish community. The father says, oh, cool. Yeah, that's great. Quick, I need you to do this. And you're like, what? I had a plan. 
It's like, I don't care about your plan. Your plan is about works. Your plan is about how you can make yourself right. I'm going to make you right. I'm going to do the work. Let me do this. He puts a ring. He puts a robe. He gives him sandals. And then he does this. Oh, hey, we're going to have a party. Because I'm so excited that you're home. My son was dead and now he's alive. I need you to know that Jesus, that our father, through Jesus, has a plan for your life. First, he has a plan to save you. Have you ever seen those awesome videos on, on YouTube where the dad just saves the son or the kids? Like they're on swings and they just like start wheeling over and they're like, ning! And they catch him by the foot. Have you ever done those? You ever seen those? We've all, all fathers have done that. Now the difference is, in the kingdom of God, the dad isn't putting you in those positions. In, on earth, mostly it's the dad putting them, their kid in a bad position. But... What's cool is this, that God set up a way, your father set up a way for you to be saved. This is Jesus coming to earth, dying on the cross so that you could be saved and made right with God. Then he has an eternal, he has an eternal plan for your life. This is what Andrew's been talking about for the last six or seven weeks, that he's saying, listen, what you think of heaven, it's better than that. Because God has a plan for you. Because your father is good and he delights in you. And he just wants you to know that what you think is the greatest, oh, it will be blown away by eternity with me. But you know we actually act like sometimes Christianity um, is like a massive waiting room. Like you get ushered in and they're like, oh, it's so good to have you. Oh, brother. Because that's what they do. And they're like, can you, it's so good, you've got eternal salvation, it's yours. You are saved by your Father, so good, here's your ticket. We're going to call you one of these days, you know, whatever. The numbers don't matter, they just kind of come up randomly. But just sit there, and when your number comes up, then you get to come to eternity. It'll be really awesome. And it's like we just think that's what church is, like we come and we just wait. Do you know that through Jesus, your Father has a kingdom plan for your life? Jesus says this. He says this to his disciples when he's leaving. He says, I no longer call you servants or slaves. I call you friends because I am giving you my plan for your life. I want to share with you. Then finally, he says this. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 5.20. He says this. You are my ambassadors. As if. God is making his appeal through you. What he's saying is this. Hey, I have a plan for you. It's to spread this kingdom in your family, in your community, in the world around you. Oh, the Father's plan is so much better than our plan. Young adult, if you're here and you're like, what am I going to do with my life? I tell you, you can trust the Father. Because not only does he delight in you, but he affirms you and he has destiny for you. We hope that you are challenged and inspired by what you heard today and that you're willing to allow God to work in and through your life in bigger ways this week. We'd love to stay connected with you on social media, facebook.com slash mountainparkchurch and instagram.com slash mountainparkchurch. Finally, if you have a story of how God has been working in and through you, we'd love to hear it. Just email us at mystory@mp.church and tell us how God has been working in your life lately.